Welcome back, everybody, to another. I'm going to do things a little bit differently. Uh, up front here, we're going to go ahead and break down a little bit about the subject for today, which is the Tavistock Institute. So I'm going to go through, give you a little information up front here, and then on the back end of the uh, episode, we'll have a conversation that I had with Ryan Dean of Dangerous World Podcast. So uh, let's go ahead and get started in there. First and foremost, I want to say, uh, you know, welcome back to everybody. I took a little bit of a hiatus there. Um, and, uh, you know, it's good to be back. It's really good to be getting back, sitting down, getting some stuff uh, put together, some content put out for you all. And, uh, you know, it took me a lot longer than I'd anticipated to get geared back up and going again. So I really appreciate everybody's patience on that front. Uh, so, yeah, without further ado, let's dig into the Tavistock Institute. Okay, so this is a uh, behavioral modification uh, studying, uh, hypnotism studying, esoteric knowledge, knowing, metaphysical controlling, mind controlling. I mean, dude, this this uh, this agency, it, all of these things are not something that you think of when you think Tavistock Institute, especially because they call themselves the, Tavik, the Tavistock Institute of human on human relations okay so it's like uh, marketed and touted as like an hr entity uh, for humanity itself okay um but something that you have to realize is this is just another another uh grouping right another grouping uh that's runs right along uh what we would consider intelligence agencies cia mi6 you know mossad uh, but we don't really think a lot about tavistock in the same you know, groupings as these other agencies. So, uh, so again, they're, they're into learning about metaphysics, mind control, Manichaean theology, which is the understanding of the duality of good and evil. And that ties back into, uh, you know, like Freemasonry and Satanism and Luciferianism. So the story about Tavistock begins in the late 1800s. Uh, Arthur Sherip Spiridovich, a white Russian loyalist, he was anti-communist, uh, a Russian general as well, uh, claimed to be well-versed in international affairs and predicted huge world events. Now, in 1902, he warned kings and dukes about future assassination attempts, and he was correct. He also predicted the First World War due to his knowledge about the Hidden Hand, in which he called a secret group of 300 Jewish families controlling the world events. So uh, that's how Tavistock ties into this. It's a part of this secret grouping, the 300, the 13 families. If you're listening to this podcast, you know all about the, the puppet control structure, okay? So I thought Tavistock Institute was where it all started, right? Like I thought that this is, uh, this is the beginning of, of our cultural control, right? But it, it goes a little further than that. Um, anyway, uh, uh, Spiritovich uh, moved to New York. He wrote the book, Secret World Government, right? And then he's found dead in his hotel room at 1926 uh, at the age of 59. And um, from suicide, right? Of course, from suicide. So uh, without getting too far into who the secret group of, of 300 or this committee is, um, we're going to go uh, and look further into the Tavistock Institute itself. So now, um, there's a Dr. John Coleman, British intelligence officer, who gained access to a private British museum in London, where he discovered highly classified documents of Tavistock. Um, so he 
spent five years of his life reading, deciphering these uh, documents and wrote the book, The Tavistock Institution of Human Relations. Okay. So that's, uh, you know, a source if you want to go take a look out there for that. Now, Tavistock was secretly started in 1913, funded by the British monarchy, the Milner Group, the Rockefellers, and the Rothschilds. Tavistock's first purpose was to create propaganda to start a war between Britain and Germany. Okay, and, you know, looking back in the past, they were pretty successful at that. Now, the motivation behind the war uh, was that Germany was progressing too rapidly, right, and was going to suppress Britain with economic power. So how else can we manipulate the masses to stay in power uh, when we're at, at odds with a, a sister government or what have you, right? So they, they go behind the scenes, right? So um, the Tavistock's uh, second purpose, rather, was uh, to infiltrate America by establishing a centralized bank, removing the gold standard, and the degradation of women and religion. This group's mission was to establish a complete breakdown of America's values. Okay, and it's not just American values that they're into breaking down. It's just values overall. Look what the uh, you know the Hollywood machine has done to to our youth, uh, to us as adults having gone through our youth. Uh, you know, with all of the cultural manipulation going on. Um, and, you know, I thought that this had started back just maybe in the 60s, right? You know, like the free love movement and everything else. But no, this goes way back, guys. This goes way further back. So, like, to get this program started, they hire a man by the name of Edward Bernays. Now, Edward Bernays is nephew of Sigmund Freud and was the father of public relations, okay? He wrote a few books. Um, but this guy was like the bee's knees of, of control back in the day, right? Uh, just carrying on from where Sigmund Freud started. Uh, and he, he just believed so strongly in crowd psychology uh, that he could convince the masses of people to do almost anything, okay? So Edward Bernays was a Tavistock coach and advisor to President Woodrow Wilson. Wilson ran and won the presidency on the promise that he would keep America out of the war, but with the infiltration of Bernays, he persuaded Congress to declare war on Germany and started the First World War. And on December 23rd, 1913, while all Americans were getting ready to celebrate Christmas, Woodrow Wilson signed the Federal Reserve Act, a law that created the Federal Reserve Central Banking System of the United States. Okay, this led to effectively abolishing the gold standard. And, and it was now, by that time, by the time that they abolished the gold standard. It was 1933 and Tavistock's mission was, well, pretty much halfway done. Okay. The central bank of America was responsible for the great depression and the global financial crisis of 2007. Um, so, I, I mean, you can see the earmarks of these agencies of these groupings all the way through to current times. Okay. Now the federal reserve violates constitutional law. Uh, because their policymakers are handpicked by the people behind the Federal Reserve. So their meetings are secret, no transparency. So it's the same thing that we're dealing with with all of these other groups. Um, and it's gotten very interesting in the last uh, 20 and 30 years because these groups are not are, are not lacking transparency any longer. okay? They are putting out there everything that they're up to. 
and and kind of laughing as people absorb the information and really don't know what to do with it. And we'll get into that a little bit more uh, in a minute. But um, this, uh, yeah, this this move of the Federal Reserve was was one of their big, you know, one of their big moves on the chessboard. Okay. Um, after the wars and the establishment of the central bank, America started to see moral decline through what historians call the new morality, or otherwise known as the birth of liberalism. It was President Ronald Reagan that once said, if fascism ever came to America, it will be in the name of liberalism. Okay, so, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, joining, going back to, to like the 1920s, you know, you have, <clears throat> you have the, uh, the social settings of women or the social status of women um, being manipulated. Okay. You have flapper women, right? Their women are now cursing and smoking and drinking and wearing revealing clothing. Uh, even the term loose enters into the zeitgeist. So this is all cause and effect, right? This is directly from advertising and Tavistock music, which was pushed from these think tanks, these, these committee of 300 offshoots, uh, you know, these guys get together, man, and and they've, uh, you know, I've got mad respect for the amount of organization that this takes, okay? And and that's in the 1920s. We had the decade of decadence, right, with the flapper women um, and uh, with the uh, abolishment of, uh, or, or, yeah, the, uh, the uh, what do you call it? Drawing a blank. Anyway, they... Uh, they restrict alcohol, uh, not because they don't want people drinking, but because it's a cheap fuel. But that's its own its own other thing. But um, so in the 1930s, then homosexuality and lesbianism became rampant, uh, not out of any you know inner or like latent desires, but as means to shock the old establishment. Right during the Great Depression, to to separate these these uh, these generations. Okay. Um, there's a writer by the name of G.K. Chesterton, uh, and he's a philosopher as well. And, and he says the moral, spiritual, racial, and economic cultural bankruptcy that we're in today is not some social phenomenon, but rather the outcome of a carefully planned Tavistock program. Okay. So, I mean, this Tavistock Institute, uh, while not being established until after uh, after the beginning of the First World War, roughly, um, is just a part of this, okay? So we also alongside had the birth of MIT, the National Institute of Mental Health, the Stanford Research Center, the Wharton School of Economics, okay? Um, these were founded by Dr. Kurt Lewin, John Rowlings-Reese, and Margaret Mead. And um, there's some argument that these may have been the best Tavistock social engineers of all time. So uh, believe it or not, through the minds of these leaders, came the brainwashing and propaganda for World War II, Vietnam, the Korean War, the two Gulf Wars, and every war that has followed since. So according to Dr. Coleman, the best kept secret and research that came out of Tavistock is the three-system response. The three-system response uh, is something that in this world today you are familiar and are involved in on a daily basis through the news cycle and so on, okay? Um, so the three uh, three system response is how the population reacts to stress resulting from a contrived situation. 
Now, a contrived situation is a crisis management exercise for world leaders, say, um, you know, Agenda 2030, so on. So we see this the same act happening again and again. Now, during a crisis, the first response is superficiality, okay, which is the condition that manifests when a group reacts to a threat by adopting shallow advertising sl and slogans, which they attempt to pass off as ideals, right? Like, uh, we can, right? Or change is here, or you know what I mean? All of these slogans that we see every two to four years, uh, you know, through election cycles. So uh, because these are passed off as ideals and, and the cause of the crisis is, is never identified, it, it leaves the population confused. And now this phase can last as long as the controller wants it to. So <clears throat> the second, second phase is called fragmentation in which panic strikes and social cohesion falls apart. This results in society to break up into small groups, forming different attitudes and beliefs due to man media manipulation. No one is on the same page. No one is getting the truth and pe people become divided and fragmented from each other. So as you've seen in the world um, very recently and throughout the past over the last hundred years, this causes civil unrest, protests, verbal fights, physical fights, and this is all caused by humans failing to identify the cause of the crisis. <clears throat> now, the third phase is called the fantasy trip. This is what Tavistock calls dissociation. And this is the last phase of the PSYOP. Okay? People have been so traumatized from the false flag event that they block it out or they lose interest and all hope and humanity. Okay. This dissociation causes people to allow their liberties to get taken away, which ushers in communism or communist legislation without a fight. And uh, I mean, this just flat out is exactly what's going on. And so this is why I felt very important to bring uh, to you all attention this institution, this Tavistock institution. OK, so uh, Julius Caesar once said, divide and conquer. Uh the powers that be have been using contrived situations and false flag events to shock and traumatize the world since the beginning of time. The beginning of what we know is time anyway. Um, we have things going from the JFK assassination, uh, Waco, the OJ Simpson car chase, right? Columbine, 9-11, all these other shootings, Sandy Hook, Las Vegas. I mean, it, it goes on and on. All these contrived situations where we don't know where to point the blame, right? Like it's just... How does this madness happen? Well, they've got think tanks that have already figured out how everybody, and I mean collectively, uh, how society is going to react to certain situations. They sit down, they plot out every in and out. And uh, so that that's why, you know, when you look at a, a lot of these things going on, especially over the last, what, couple of years, uh, tons of shootings at schools, post office, churches, concerts, shopping malls. Uh, are these all just coincidence? Uh, according to Dr. Coleman, they were carried out by mind-controlled subjects who were carefully profiled, sought after, and put on dangerous mood-altering drugs like Ritalin and controlled by DARPA computer programmers. So they're getting into the minds of the nerds, right? And uh, using this to manipulate the rest of the masses. So it's it's interesting. Um there, there was a story uh, a while back uh, about Amali Tibbetts, a jogger who disappeared for a month and was found dead in a cornfield 
in Iowa. At first, her alleged killer said he heard voices in his head and the media had a heyday with him, right? Saying that. And now you just kind of can't find anything, you know, about that on the internet. But interesting thing is Molly Tibbetts' dad was an architect for the Clinton Foundation. So very interesting, right? Like that, uh, that her dad is an architect for the Clinton Foundation. Who knows what he was involved in aside from uh, the one thing he's noted for, which is designing the orphanages in Haiti. Um, okay. And uh, so, so uh, you know, if you were to take a look out on the internet, <clears throat> do a quick search of killers, right? Who hear voices. Uh, you'll find just a ton of information on that, right? You hear a lot about that. Uh, son of Sam hearing voices, dogs telling him to do things. I mean, it's crazy. Okay. And uh, so there's a, there's a book out there. It's a good read programmed to, to kill by David McGowan that gets a little bit more into that situation there. So, <clears throat> um, so this is mind control. This is, this is the manipulation of people. Okay. Um, one example of that I've seen written up recently that I think a lot of people can relate to is uh, if you remember the book, 50 shades of gray. Okay. This was a mind control experiment that you could do in your own bedroom, right? The pain and the fear that comes with sadomasochistic sex causes the brain to flow and the blood away from its executive decision-making areas, uh, in the frontal cortex, which results in an altered state of consciousness in both the giver and receiver, much like doing cocaine. Okay. Um, you ever wonder though, why certain books and movies get propped up? And, uh, you know, much like my source of information here, this raises a red flag for me as well. So uh, Herbert Hoover was the 31st president of the United States. He was a Republican and was reluctant to become involved with the Federal Reserve. He believed in strengthening American business and believed in, that individual reliance on banks could weaken the economy. There's speculation from Coleman that his reluctance to cause the start stock market crash of 1929 which led into the Great Depression as a punishment to him and the American people. Okay, so, <clears throat> so basically, uh, you know, Hoover, Herbert Hoover supposedly didn't didn't want to have anything to do with the Federal Reserve, um, and uh, you know that may very well be. But at the end of the day, you know, he's in the he's in the pockets of of those who put him in the position of president of the United States. Uh, you know. So all of us uh, theorists and truthers understand to get up to that point, uh, you're in the pocket of these these committees. OK, so uh, another item just offhand that the Tavistock Institute engineered would be the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, and this was an attempt to sell the FEMA program to JFK. OK, and uh, it was rejected by Kennedy uh, also. And. Um, Tavistock also, here's another interesting thing. Tavistock signed a contract with NASA to ramp up public opinion on space. Okay, so this is all just manipulation of your opinions and the way you see the world. Okay, um, and now here's, I'm not 100% sure on this, but just based on what I'm reading, uh, Ronald Reagan was reluctant to fall in line. I doubt that. I mean, this guy was an actor, right? Um, so apparently, though, during Reagan's presidency, the Committee of 300 had to make a secret meeting to make sure that after his presidency, they remained in control with the candidates of their choice. So who was next? 
George Herbert Walker Bush. He was the further uh, the former director of the CIA and vice president to Reagan, a member of Skull and Bones, and was married to Barbara Bush, who keeps fetuses in jars in her home, allegedly, and who is allegedly Aleister Crawley's daughter by a striking resemblance. Now, Bush gave the famous New World Order speech following the Gulf War, Gulf War of 91. Um, then we have a Rhodes Scholar, Bill Clinton, and then George W. Bush, and then Obama. Now, with these presidents comes more social engineering, more false flags, and, and more corruption, of course, at the highest levels. So uh, John Coleman said that we've been brainwashed into believing that communism is the greatest danger we Americans are facing. This is simply not so. The greatest danger arises from the mass of traitors in our midst. Our Constitution warns us to be watchful of the enemy within our own gates. These enemies are servants of the Committee of 300 who occupy the highest positions within our government structure. Okay. So uh, there are some folks out there who, who believe that we have still some presidents on our side, right? Um, you know, especially uh, since like 2016. Okay. So when Trump campaigned hard and, and one of his messages was drain the swamp. <clears throat> and, you know, a lot of people look at and tout Trump as, as some kind of a savior entity. I'm not sure about that. Um, but I do know that he did say, yes, drain the swamp. And, and he supposedly wanted to remove evil from the government. And, um, you know, supposedly Trump was one of the most difficult presidents for the Tavistock Institute. Okay. Uh, he was discussed in a couple of Tavistock journals written by James McKay, the director for Tavistock Coaching. In 2016, he expressed concern that based on Trump's personality, he would be very difficult to coach. And in 2018, he discussed how Trump is like a trickster. Um, is this a confession that Trump hasn't fallen in line? I don't necessarily agree with that. It may very well be. Um, I'm kind of curious as to what the end game plan is when it comes to Trump. Um, is he just, you know, the social media, uh, you know, kind of icon for this generation, maybe something like that, right? So uh, another another modern goal of the Committee of 300 is the emergence of the technotronic era, okay? And it just, it, it involves the gradual appearance of a more controlled society. Um, and, and this society would be dominated by an elite unrestrained by traditional values. Uh, so, I mean, basically, it would be possible to assert almost continuous surveillance over every citizen and maintain up-to-date, complete files containing even the most personal information about the citizen. Um, these files would be subject to instantaneous retrieval by the authorities. Okay. So, these are psyops within psyops. Disinformation absolutely everywhere uh, with corrupt people running amok in government. This is the sum of what Tavistock is today, okay? Um, people are still distracted by what the elite call the bread and circuses, baseball, football, endless Hollywood and social security, and nothing has changed. So like this program is, is immaculate. It's so good if you're trying to explain this to somebody, of course they think you're crazy, right? Like that's just how amazing this programming is. Now, if you don't program your own mind, someone will program it for you. This is this is kind of the idea for these folks. It's like, hey, if you're not taking control of your own mental uh, acuity and your own spiritual and mental well-being, well, guess what? We will do it for you, okay? And uh, so, so basically, 
it's just a matter of, are you willing to do your own critical thinking? Are you going to believe everything that is said when it comes to, you know, uh, these things going on in the world, these events, um, you know, it, it def definitely to me, anytime I see something happen on mainstream media, I have to ask myself, what is the end game here? What What is going on? <laughs> right. So anyway, that was a quick rundown on a little bit of the Tavistock Institute. And uh, so Ryan and myself get into it a little bit further. And we have a, a pretty lengthy conversation about some of this mind control and social engineering and, uh, you know, how some of this stuff came about and what it means to us. So uh, again, I want to thank you for tuning into Red Thread Podcast. And I'm your host, Random Randy. All right, and welcome. Well, it's me, Random Randy, here with my good friend, Ryan Dean from Dangerous World Podcast. Uh, got with Ryan today to ask him to dive a little bit in with me on some secret societies, some behind-the-scenes action. Um, and for me, it started with the Tavistock Institute. Uh, you know, I first heard about it. And I'm like, so these are the people that manufactured rock and roll it was basically like the first thing I ever heard about the Tavistock Institute. Um, the ties between like MI6, uh, the OSS and the media structure. Right. Um, so the, and yeah, I'm just jumping in headlong here cause this is a doozy. And so I'm looking forward to just digging right into it. But anyway, welcome, Ryan. <laughs> Ryan, uh, sorry about that. It's such a huge, huge ball to get rolling here. I'm so stoked to have you on with me to uh, kind of chew into this part of, you know, the the social monster that is. And uh, yeah, man, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm stoked to get on here with you, dude. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's always cool to get in and talk about this kind of stuff that you know, it's talked about fairly regularly. I don't think regularly enough when it comes to things like Tavistock, um, you know, shaping culture and, you know, this element of mind control that is, I think, the most effective, which is like the one that pertains to pop culture. So, mm -hmm. you know, it is going to be a fun little chat. And I'm, I'm interested to hear your perspective on Tavistock and some of these other things. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, the first thing that caught me when I, I looked at Tavistock Institute after hearing a little bit about how they basically manufactured the Beatles out of thin air. Uh, you know, that's the going consensus in circles that are like um, Jew world order, you know, music industry kind of circles. It's very like secular, that point of view that pushes, you know, any bad talk against these people. Um, it seems I'll all be pointed in a direction of, you know, I don't want to say anti-Semitism, but it, it's pointing the direction at, at a Jewish structure, right? Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I guess you have to look at what what does the word, you know, Jew mean to some people, to some people, it's a control structure to others. It's a religion. Um, so, you know, you, you're stepping on toes regardless of how you want to approach, uh, you know, these these massive conglomerates of minds. Right. Um, because they've they've implemented situations to bring themselves out in a favorable, favorable light. Um, and um you know, we see this, we see this every day. We see this in everything. We see media manipulating the concepts that we have of who these superstars are and who these musicians are and bringing them up on a pedestal and therefore removing our self-worth from us and having us, you know, hand over energy to these different groupings. But, you know, they're, they're amazing at this stuff, just absolutely amazing. And I think that out of respect is why I really started to look into 
conspiracy, um, you know, the, the darker side of things, um, just out of respect for the structure here. And there's so much to it. Like, it's just mind blowing. Like you start to look into it and you're like, oh, you know, who's the boogeyman? (laughs) And you start digging and you're like, wait a minute, there's a boogeyman. There's a boogeyman. You know, here's another boogeyman. And like, they're all related to other families of boogeymen. And so it's like, kind of like I was talking to, to Kyle on Big Dumb Podcast. It's a very fractal in nature, right? Like just when you think you've got to the head of the snake, you're like, poof. And it just breaks down into all these other different sub snake heads <laughs> you know? yeah. and you're like, what the heck? And you keep going and you keep going and it's never ending. So, I mean, I got about as far back as uh, the late 1800s with Tavistock Institute. That's about as far back as I got like to its roots. Um, and we'll dig into some of that uh, here in a second, but it's just, it's mind blowing, dude, the, what propaganda can do, what people's opinion, popular opinion what manipulating that means. Um, well, and if you, you know, for any of your listeners that might not think that Tavistock is, is extremely influential today. Are you aware of the Netflix connection with Bernays and all the propaganda and all that stuff? Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not aware of it specifically, but I do know that basically all major media moguls now they, they are, you know, brain, ch- brain children, or spawns of this, of this larger snake, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, what we trace back up until, or back until the end of world war II is the Tavistock Institute, right? Um, before world war II, it had a number of different names in different places. So you didn't have to have this, this kind of uh, prior to world war II, they didn't have like a central kind of Institute. There was a, a lot of different um, schools of thought, and, and and they were all one in the same. Um, one of which kind of birthed people like Bernays, um, you know, huge propagandists, and they're all oddly enough coming right around, uh, right around Austria is where a lot of these concepts, Austria, um, Hungary, a little bit of like, what is it, Eastern Ukraine. So, I mean, all of these areas that are like hot topic items on like the political chessboard now are where these, these structures have their roots. You know what I mean? So it's really no wonder to me that, that they're fighting for the same ground over and over again. This mm-hmm. is their home stomping territories. You know what I mean? So like, oh, yeah. well, so like they spread out. And yeah. The, the, uh, I, was, I was just going to say real quick that about the whole Netflix thing. Um, I, I think that this is really important to kind of, you know, in a good movie, they'll kind of like show you the end, right? Or somewhere close to the end. And then there's a big twist at the actual end, but they'll show you the end and then they'll break down the story a little bit and how you got there. Right. Um, this whole situation with Netflix is it's still mind blowing to me to think about when you talk about like Tavistock and mind control. You have Reed Hastings and Mark Randolph who founded Netflix. Reed Hastings is still the CEO. I'm not sure what Mark's Randolph role today is, but he was an original co-founder. And um, Reed Hastings is the great grandson of this guy, Alfred Lee Loomis. And Alfred Lee Loomis was an investment banker, but he also was a scientist that helped develop the atomic bomb. And then he helped develop uh, something which I'm I'm reading here off of uh, Cabal Times, which is a really interesting website. But he helped invent uh, the electroencephalogram. And this helped study brainwaves. Okay, so that's Reed Hastings, great grandfather. Now you move on to Randolph here, and he's the great grand uh, nephew of Sigmund Freud, 
There no it shit. is. <laughs> there it is right there. You know what that's, I mean? that's the man. That's the linchpin of all of this. That was the first page I had pulled up uh, after, you know, digging into Tavistock was okay. It all kind of goes back to this one gentleman, Sigmund Freud, mm-hmm. who, who is, uh, you know, the, the nationalist sponsor of pedophilia, <laughs> you know, basically, I mean, not to sugarcoat it for people out there, but this is, this is why uh, psychiatry as we know it today was built the way it is, was to, to push these unseen agendas mm-hmm. on, on the masses, right? Um, and uh, I, I heard it put as, I, I thought this was pretty interesting, as the uh, king of the sun pyramidal power structure. Um, that's the way I heard it put in, in one of these, you know, sites that was a little bit, you know, anti-Semitic in its nature or what have you, but still, nonetheless, it's pretty spot on. And this, this uh, king of the sun culture, uh, this is what, you know, has roots all the way back in what we now know as ancient Egypt. Um, you know, we have the cult of Ra, we have, um, you know, the hermetic uh, kind of schools of teaching. Uh, these are all branches of this same pyramid of the sun structure basically. Um, and uh, so when you have trickle on down the line, down to where we're at today, and you have Netflix um, embedded in all of our big brother screens, right? We've all got that on our TV at home or on our phone in our hand. And this is put in place by the same people that essentially did the rollout of what we are coming to understand as the great reset of the uh, 19th century um, with the movement of large volumes of people, uh, instigation of wars, uh, the creation itself of culture as we know it, Um, you know, going, I would say the creation of culture itself as we really understand it, for most of us would have came about probably in the 1960s with the counterculture revolution. And, you know, from the face, none of that looks organic. When you're sitting back at home and, and you're watching, you know, you're watching Netflix about uh, about the doors, right? Or mm-hmm. or about the Grateful Dead, and you're getting this sugar-coated story of how real these people were, and and how just like you and me they are, um, and they conveniently leave out the part uh, about them all being, you know, basically MK Ultra uh, plants, you know, through the OSS and so on and so forth. They leave all that stuff out, and we're just supposed to idolize these people, people like Jim Morrison. Um, I mean, people like every idol out there, basically. I mean, we've seen what they've done with pop culture currently. It's, it's, you know, it's a travesty, but mm-hmm. um, so you see this like just manipulation of the people that they have focused our intention and our attention on. And then when you look into Netflix and you go, okay, well, the TV itself is a mind control item, right? Like you turn on your TV the strobing lights, the magnetic fields, everything that it puts off. And it's interesting yeah, the frequency, right? It's interesting that you say that, you know, one of the founders was related to the guy who came up with the electric encephalogram encephalogram um, mm-hmm. because that pertains directly to why they would need a, a box in your home to the current CEO too, by the way, Randy, not just some, some, you know, random guy that helped start the company. He is still in charge of a massive public company which you know they are promoting this this idea of um of propaganda really really well but they've even taken a hit i mean their stock price has fallen 80 percent since they started going super woke and now they're kind of trying to transition and then they'll go back to doing heavy propaganda again and not caring because those thoughts have gone out there 
the price of the stock has fallen and the investors might be pissed, but the government and what I think is a massive money laundering corporation in Netflix, mm. I think that um, you know the government is fine with it and they'll never let Netflix fail, but they'll start putting out good content again to get us all back sucked into it. And then they'll start brainwashing in waves. It comes in waves. Right. So, absolutely. Yeah. And, it, and it comes staggered just enough to separate the generations from each other. You know, that's that's what this uh, the move is. If if we can make the children of the current generation hate their parents enough, you know, if we can make them feel like they are standing apart from their parents just enough, then we can manipulate those children into seeing things however we want them to. And um, and this goes all the way back to Sigmund Freud. Uh, I mean, you know, in my opinion, and in, in many others who dive into this research, will come to a conclusion that that this man uh, had a had a different agenda than you know he's putting across. And, and it's not about the mental health and well being of the masses. It's okay. How do we manipulate and control these masses into creating well being for us here at the top? You know, um, and, and so this is what. This is what Sigmund Freud's all about. If we can convince the masses that they are fragile and that they need guidance and, you know, um, then they, they don't even have to go through with like, like a legitimate coup. You know what I mean? They don't have to physically remove parents from their children. They don't have to physically remove the constitution. They can subvert this through all of these very small moves. But in, in our day to day life, being worried about, you know, getting to work, paying the bills, doing the things that we need to do just to survive, um, you know, uh, instead, they can put something in there and, and go like rock and roll, the rebellious youth movement. They can insert these things at key moments, moments like the 1960s after they rolled out, you know, LSD through these institutions that are directly aligned with uh, Freudism, um, which is psychiatry. Uh, everything we know is mental health, you know, entity that's out there now. It, it all comes from this same group of mind control agents. And um, so like back in the 1960s, you know, the move was music big time. You know, if we can get into music um, because the kids weren't the ones sitting and watching TV, uh, they may be watching, you know, their shows on Saturday morning, um, Schoolhouse Rock, you know, um, the Jeffersons, that sort of thing. But they weren't the ones sitting and watching the news. So they had kind of a twofold little little uh, thing they were doing here is they were manipulating the children by um, implementing ideas of normalcy through cartoons, through um, through different propaganda films, media, so on, much like we see now with the whole LGBTQTBGE, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> whatever it is now, however many letters. So like th this movement is just like the most current in like a cascade of efforts that have been rolled out one after another over the last hundred years is, you know, a short, short-sighted way to look at it. It's probably closer to like four or 500 years. Uh, when you start looking back into the origins of Sigmund Freud and, and, you know, his friends, um, you know, it, it all comes from, from very old teachings um, a very old structure that we just don't, I haven't been able to find a whole lot of solid information on, but of course, you know, we're using these control structures just to communicate currently um, in order to find information. We're having to go through their archives 
So that's a little bit limiting, uh, you know, in itself, but you can see a pattern kind of, you know, unrolling here. And it doesn't matter if you look at like a biased website that has a certain opinion or certain perspective, you still see the same pattern happening. And, and, you know, uh, us as conspiracy theorists or, you know, um, truthers or just seekers, uh, we're able to see these patterns and, and not everybody, not everybody is, uh, everybody's so inundated with information, uh, that, you know, after a while it does become very difficult to assess what, what's a pattern and, and what's just set up to look like a pattern. And, um, the pattern they would have us believe is, is consistent failure of the masses to do anything for themselves. That's, you know, that's the illusion. And, um, so they roll out, you know, uh, psychiatry, um, start to convince us that we're all mentally ill and that, um, that the, the, the family structure is inherently wrong and evil. Um, and, uh, you know, so they, they, they basically weaken the moral fiber, you know, of the nation, demoralize everybody, laborers, you know, create mass unemployment. I mean, we have this going back to like the 1920s, um, and so on and so forth. I mean, it goes back on and on and it, and it repeats just about every hundred years. So there's a very cyclical thing to this. And so they, they kind of, they demoralize everybody and they, they create a science out of, out of something that's just a, an act. It's crazy. Like the, the demoralization of, of societies, they've turned it into mental health initiatives, right? And they've, so they've restamped them and rebranded them as, no, this is good for you. Uh, and, and for your friends and your children and your children's children, just trust us, you know, we're the club of Rome. You just, we're the 300. We are, you know what I mean? We're the 13. We are all these other things that you hear about and are just laughed off as, you know, conspiracy theorists, but realistically, these are all, these are all pals. You know what I mean? Like these are all no. people that have each other on speed dial. I actually found a new group. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. You heard of the Jason society? No, I haven't. So, well, that's good because I'm trying to go through, I'm going to do an episode after we're done here about some lesser known secret societies, you know, because everyone talks about the Freemasons. Um, that's the big one, right? The, them, the Illuminati, there's a few, the Council on Foreign Relations, Trilateral Commission, all these things. Um, lesser and lesser people talk about, uh, you know, the, the Tavistock Institute and things like that. But one of the ones that I came across was this Jason Society. And they're basically the scientific um, elite advisors for the president. And it started under um, Eisenhower. And, you know, there was a lot of sketchy things going on during Eisenhower. But they call themselves the Jason Society after Jason and the Golden Fleece, that whole story. So, you know, there, it's a it's a very interesting little thing. And I actually have uh, some of my notes here for my episode. There's three different alternatives that they have so the you know the starting up in 59 is when it when it officially uh kicked off and then uh and this is just a couple years before eisenhower was out of office but um one of the big things that or three of the big things that they would break up into groups was alternative one was to use nuclear devices to blast holes in the stratosphere from which the heat and pollution could ex escape from um, alternative two was to build a vast network of underground cities and tunnels in which a select representation of all cultures and occupations would survive and carry on the human race. And the rest of humanity would be left to fend for themselves on the surface of the planet. And then alternative <laughs> alternative three 
is to exploit alien and conventional technology in order for a select few to leave the earth and establish colonies on the moon and Mars. So this is a um, wild little society here. And I feel like they're also kind of behind the push for scientism, not science, but scientism, where people are seeing science as a religion at this point through people like Fauci, you know, the, the Messiah known as Anthony Fauci and all these things. They are, are creating their own little cult. And it's actually an uncomfortably large cult now. But um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Just, you know, that's it, wild. See, and that's it's interesting that you say right, that came about. You said in 59, 59. OK, so so right at the end of what we know as the the comfort period, right after World War Two, you know, we had all the baby boomers and all the shiny, pretty things and everything was chill for a while. So they're like, all right, we got to shake it up again, guys. This is getting stagnant. You know, uh, how, are gonna, up, right? how are we going to how are we going to shake this up? Yeah. Yep. And so so right. In order to start that motivation for digging these underground bases and doing all of these, you know, projected outcomes that you just talked about, um, you have to cement a mindset in people to necessitate mm -hmm. all of that stuff. And I mean, look, look around the world. There's something like fifteen hundred to maybe four thousand deep underground military bases at this point. Um, and that's just over the last 60 years that we know about, right? Like, so, so they've implemented a mindset in the masses to facilitate their end games, which is genius. I mean, they've done it absolutely successfully. They had children hiding there under their desks in schoolyards, you know, and, yeah. uh, and, you know, under the playgrounds in schoolyards for, for how many decades, you know, and you think that that's going to help you <laughs> if a nuclear device goes off, you know, out in the playground. And so, I mean, it's just all manipulation of fear and, um, and it's mind blowing that they tied all that into Mars and the continuation of society after, uh, after some kind of event, right. Uh, nuclear or whatever manufactured catastrophe it is that they want to come up with. And it seems like on the back end of, of people losing, you know, their fear, you know, degree of fear on nuclear fallout and things like this as that waned there has to be a new one, right? And so enter, enter, you know, the 1980s and viral outbreaks and, uh, you know, the Messiah Fauci, enter all of these people uh, that over the last 20 years have been manufacturing what we know as the dilemma today is the, the pandemic, right? Like, so you can kind of see like where these things start. And, and when you get to a point now where you have some information on this, this specific society that's got those end goals, you can go, okay, well, so, so that's why they manipulated the people into feeling a certain way so that they can move forward with this. And so just, it honestly, it makes you wonder, all right, so we know that that was their back game 30, 40 years ago. What are we going to be seeing in 30 or 40 years from now to, to really explain whatever has happened by that point, half robot people, uh, social currency, um, you know, uh, dystopian society. Uh, and, and I think we will see a same or a very similar set of events that we've seen happening over and over again over the last, you know, couple hundred years, you know, every 30 years or so we have this major shift in, in society. Um, like I was saying before, it's really just to tear us all apart from our, uh, our next generation. You know, and they're incredibly successful at that. Um, these people seem to work on a lot longer of a time scale than we do. Sure. And, th and this may be very well where where the lizard people thing, you know, ties into it or the, you know, <laughs> vampiric people. Um, 
you know, there's some evidence out there to suggest that, yes, these people are consuming human products to extend their lives. But, you know, all that aside, there's there's a longer time scale that they're operating on. And, you know, unless you're able to go uh, and honestly kind of be comfortable in the fact that maybe, you know, personally, from a personal just me point of view, I'm not going to go out, uh, you know, to the White House lawn and, and stop all of these major corporations and these major, you know, think tanks from ceasing existence. Um, but what I can do is like illuminate myself, right? Like, um, and, and I think this is what makes the Illuminati such a powerful concept is because nobody wants to be alone in understanding. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to be alone in, in knowing that all this shit is going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, the most convenient thing that you can do is you get those people that want to know people like, like us really. Um, and you can kind of subvert enough of them into your movement, uh, to where, you know, they're reaching out for their friends saying, Hey, now that you understand what's going on, why don't you come join me over here? And, uh, next thing, you know, you get a, uh, in your inbox on, uh, <laughs> on Facebook, you get, you know, an invitation to an alum- Illuminati party. And next thing, you know, you know what I mean? You're, you're <laughs> at a function and, you know, all this other stuff starts, starts happening. And then, you know, guess what? I don't what? think You're it saying, happens like that. Honestly, hey, who though, knows? Man. Right. A man can dream. <laughs> <can he? laughs> but, I mean, you know, I, I think that it's interesting you say it like that because um, the Illuminati, the idea of it is a it's an empowering idea to feel like you have some knowledge that others don't. But, you know, from my research, which is fairly extensive, I'm no expert. I don't like to consider myself an expert of anything, but um. If there was like a certain thing like gun to head, what am I an expert on? It would be secret societies. Again, I'm not an expert at all, but got hell hours in on it, though. That's for sure. That's yeah. I've been spending <laughs> a lot of time. Mind control is another thing that I spent. You know, I, I read a few books on it for like a four or five part series. I forget how many it was. And, you know, I, I feel that they actually really do believe that Lucifer is God and Satan is his equal his opposite, but equal counterpart. So they view these things as two separate entities. And I don't know. I, I just think that, you know, they, they see Lucifer as the light. He's the illuminated one. He's the one that illuminates you if you choose to follow these societies. And they disguise themselves to be very appealing to people like us that want hidden knowledge. But um, I think once you sign up for this stuff, you actually start following the darkness, even though you may feel like you're you're getting access to more things here on Earth. You're gaining access to more knowledge. You're becoming illuminated and therefore you're becoming like Lucifer, I think. Not you specifically, but people. No, right. I feel you. Definitely. Yes. And it's incredibly alluring. I mean, it's absolutely. None of us want to be like I was saying before, none of us want to be by ourselves in the in this uh, understanding of madness <laughs> that is the world, really. And mm-hmm. and so, yeah, um, but the, it's interesting that you you bring up the the kind of duality there between you know Lucifer and and you know the other entity, um, and it's it's all mixed up too. Um, you know, if you ask one person, they might mix the two together. Um, if you ask someone else, they might say that Yahweh is Lucifer. I've heard that. So I mean, it's and uh, you know each spiritual doctrine has kind of a different name for the same thing. Um, you know, there, if you go all the way back to like Gnosticism, you know, you, you have you have the all the almighty, right? Like that is everything, the mind of God, which is where we're having this dream right now, all of us. Um, but then within that, there's this controlling faction 
uh, may very well be two controlling factions, one, you know, satanic and one Luciferian. And personally, I couldn't tell you that I understand the difference completely, you know, in, in, in Lucifer versus Satan. Well, I can kind of describe it from a basic standpoint. So Lucifer was God's best friend, right? I mean, I know that you're probably somewhat familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Um, God's most prized creation. This is, of course, if you're following the Christian Bible, which I lean towards. I'm, I say it all the time on my show. I'm agnostic. But uh, going off of the Christian text, which is based off of other things, and they all kind of t- borrow from each other, right? They all rhyme, so to speak. Um Lucifer became jealous because he was God's favorite creation until he created Adam and Eve. And he's represented, Lucifer is represented with the star, the right side up pentagram. And it kind of looks like the Da Vinci drawing, I think it was, of the, the man. Vitruvian I, man. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Vitruvian man. Um, it looks like that. He doesn't have the, the six looking arms and the six looking legs or whatever it is for or whatever. Um, he's got Adam above his head and then Eve between his feet, right? So E-V-E on his legs. Um, That's the Luciferian star. But then when he becomes so jealous of Adam and Eve, he gets cast down and kicked out of heaven. That At that moment, he becomes Satan when he starts his own empire that we call hell or Hades or whatever. And that star is then flipped upside down. That's why the Satanists use the upside down star. Luciferians won't use that. But that right side up star is a witchcraft symbol, the pentagram, right? Um, so the witch, witches are Luciferian uh, without even knowing it. You know, if you're a Wiccan or anything, you're Luciferian. You're, you're, you're following the God that the Freemasons follow. Um, now, the upside down star has Samael as in Adam's place and Lilith in Eve's place. Samael is the snake in the Garden of Eden. The one that tempted Eve and, and you know, damned yeah, humanity. And Lilith for... was the predecessor to Eve. Yes. So, and yeah, so, so it's, uh, it's crazy. <laughs> and instead of the man, you have um, the, the goat of Mendes, which is, you know, what it, it, that inspired Baphomet um, by Eliphas Levi. So um, that is a basic, basic difference. But I would agree with you. I think that they're the same entity personally. And this is just more that deception. I think that the Luciferian uh, Satanism idea represents duality, which the Freemasons love. They use it in the yin yang symbol, which is the oldest known symbol of witchcraft from my research. It's also like the foundational symbol of Taoism or Taoism. Mm -hmm. Um, So you get a lot of these things from a Christian perspective that would be satanic in nature, right? Um, no, I don't know what that means, That, but I, I just find it interesting that right now, uh, during our lifetimes, Christianity is very heavily persecuted by the elite. They want, and I'm sure that you know this, and this ties in really well with Tavistock and the mind control stuff. They want a one world religion, and they're pursuing this actively. I mean, it, it, you can see it in Lucius Trust documents. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Lucius Trust, but I'm obsessed with them right now. Um, I can get into them a little bit later if you'd like, but you know, they're, they're pushing for a one world religion, a one world currency, a one world society, a new world order is what they're pursuing. And when, when they get there, they want, they see the atheist just as foolish as, as the Christian. And they want to break both of those groups so hard that they all follow one global leader. Uh, Albert Pike actually wrote to one of his Italian cohorts, uh, fellow Freemason saying this exact thing that we want to break the atheists just as bad as we break the Christians and they'll be looking for something and it'll be our figure or the antichrist. Right mm-hmm. now 
the uh are you familiar with the lucius trust um vaguely i think i've heard you speak about it before but but nothing really critical no so i did a, a an episode on it recently and i don't know when this episode will be coming out on your feed but it's uh one of my more popular episodes and i just released it not too long ago so i mean anyone should check that out if they're interested it's um it started out by uh, Allison Foster Bailey in the early 20s, and it started out as the Lucifer Trust. It wasn't the Lucius Trust. It was the Lucifer Trust. What is this <laughs> that we're looking at here? This is the Tavistock Institute. Uh, yeah, I just pulled this up because I wanted to chat with you about this, but I want to hear more about this, this Lucius Trust. So it was initially called the Lucifer Trust. Yeah, because she was really inspired by Helena Blavatsky, um, mm. right? The theosophists or whatever, all these people that take Eastern and Western religion and really mix it up and the new age shit they're trying to push and all that good stuff. Helena Blavatsky, really interesting character, the first ever Russian woman to become a U.S. citizen. Um, and she goes on to really cause a, a big, big wave of spirituality, which I, 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 I knock spirituality all the time because unknowingly these spiritual people in my opinion, are following darkness because well, yeah, this... they're pushing the dark agenda, even if they don't realize it. And I think they do. I, th I really think they all do, Ryan, to be quite honest with you. You know, um, Blavatsky wasn't just flying by night doing her own thing. Like, I don't think she was doing it all at her own accord in order to be channeled into the the energies and things that these people claim to be channeled into. You've got to be pretty devout on the side of something. <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, and I can't I... pretend to know. I can't pretend to know what it is that they're really contacting. I've never had, you know, any uh, connecting with, you know, the alien lamb or any of these other entities that these folks were were in direct, you know, kind of communication with, at least so they claim. Um, but, yeah, they're they're all kind of. Pulling from all of these other sources to create something that, like you were saying before, that the people will follow, that the people will stand behind. Yeah, I'm not sure. Sorry if I was wasn't clear about what I was saying. I, I think for sure that Madame Blavatsky and Alice Bailey knew what they were doing. I think that they knew that they were channeling darkness. I'm saying the people that sit there and say that they're spiritual um, and and do the yoga and do the, the meditation during the full moons and things like that. You're inviting what you want to think are good spirits into you, but you're leaving yourself open unless you're a absolute pro at what you're doing. You're letting in whatever wants to come into you. And oftentimes it is negative energy that wants to come into you, but it disguises itself as bad. Um, side note, I've been kind of looking into sex magic a little bit because I'm going to talk with Ron from New England about that soon. And um, it sounds like a load of horseshit to me. You know what I mean? You think about something that you really want to manifest and then you make yourself ejaculate or come and you, you have that thought in your head while you do that. And that's supposed to be you're casting that out into the universe. I mean, it, it to me, it sounds super demonic. You know what yeah, I mean? It, it, sounds, sounds, it sounds mad dark, but, you know, oh, man, we're only we're only permitted to see the negative outcomes of any of these practices, um, which is, you know, it's for design. You know, it's it's by design they don't want these people in charge that are running the energy game. Uh, you know, I guess we could put it that way that are, you know, manipulating enough people to. Uh, you know, put across their intention in a certain way. If you can convince enough people, uh, not to say that yoga is bad or that meditation is bad or anything like that, but if you can convince enough people to engage in that mind space, in that, you know, soul space, mm -hmm. right? And you are part of a group that understands what that space is 
and how to manipulate and use that energy, um, then you're going to want more people to engage into that space, to dive in there and to open themselves up. Uh, that way you can then go in and, and subvert programming. It's, it's, uh, it's like a, the spiritual side of what they've been doing to us all through TV for years, right? Like um, when you're sitting down watching TV, due to the effect of the strobing lights and the magnetic fields, you're, you're having stuff imprinted on your subconscious that you may not even know. There could be a split second, you know what I mean? Words put up on the screen that you will never see that mm-hmm. are less than a frame. We're in a digital age now where it doesn't even have to be a frame. They can split it over many pixels. I mean, there's some genius things going on when it comes to imprinting on the, on the psyche of people. Um, yeah. And so then once you've got that very like base layer of imprinting done over the last 50 to 60 years, you know, through multimedia um, and through the sigil magic and all of these other things that, that tie into uh, spirituality, right? <laughs> um, sigil magic is a big one. Um, yeah. And so, so they've, they've taken, when it comes to sigil magic and, and logos and, and all of these things that we see in our daily lives, um, you know, there's this deep root understanding coming from like the hermetic mysteries of what colors do to people's mindset what shapes do to people's mindset. I mean, there's a long, it's written, but it's unbeknownst to us history about all of these different things that, that are in our everyday lives. There's reasons why propaganda is so effective, especially if it's printed in red. You know, it, it speaks to the, the carnal instinct of a person because it's, you know, printed in red. Therefore, it can make you hungry, <laughs> you know, and, and things like this. So there's all these weird, yeah. little, weird little pieces, you know, um, going down into that. And like the same thing comes with shapes and, and structures, which is probably why, you know, buildings more often than not now are 90 degree angles. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're cast in these structures to do something energetically, you know, to, to the people inhabiting it and things like this. And, well, and like, you know, you, you said something so key there. You, you tied in logos with sigils. And logos is another word for God, right? Logos yeah. is gods, basically. So these sigils and these logos that represent companies and evoke emotion out of us, right? They are gods to these corporations. And I actually think that corporations, that the root word corp or corpus, meaning corpse, right? I mean, like the, they see these things as living, breathing things. And you'll mm-hmm. even hear like big, you know, huge, hardcore capitalists, which I don't even consider them capitalists. I consider them something different because I'm all for the free market. But what's what we're seeing right now is not capitalism. Like corporatists. That, like yeah, we're a corporatist society or corporatocracy. I'm not sure which one exactly, but we're somewhere on that line. But uh, they see these things as entities and they call them entities. Well, yeah, right? they they give them the rights that you know that live people have. I mean, corporations have rights, just more rights. Than, yeah. than you and than you or I do. So they're recognized in maritime law as entities, you yeah. know, as as beings. And and I don't think that that's a far cry from the truth, to be honest with you, um, you know, especially digging into and it gets real weird when you start looking at how AI is built, how it learns and how oh, these boy. corporations, it, it gets real weird and real crazy, um, which, you know, the weirder it gets, the more I, I start to realize that long ago, this stuff was put into motion. Uh, with, in my opinion, some understanding of how this was going to play out and how these things were going to 
you know, self-establish and, and kind of, there's a lot of planning going on and a lot of like orientation of people. Um, but there's something bigger at play, which may very well be the, that life essence behind these corporations, which is why they hold them in high enough regard to call them, to give them logos. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so and it's, names. it's yeah. crazy, right. The names of gods, right. I mean, dude, <laughs> every company that's like probably top five fortune 500 company, their logo will have something to do with Saturn, a cube, a hexagon, sun. the sun. Right. Um, and even if you're looking at Saturn or Jupiter, that ties back to the sun. So they all kind of tie back to the sun, which, uh, you know, when I saw the, the, the Tavistock kind of power structure, uh, spoken of as the, the, you know, the, the sun King pyramid structure. And then I saw this picture of the Tavistock Institute. This is the new Tavistock building, uh, in England. And this thing looks like a, like a ziggurat, right? Like a ziggurat from Mesopotamia. It's got a little bit of half dome on the front, like very Romanesque. But the weirdest thing that I found were the two pillars at the top, just like every other Freemason architecture that you're going to find. You have the two pillars, you know, Joaquin Boas and Boas. Yep. And, and then you have these very strange structures on this building that I found incredibly interesting. They look like tuning forks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, they put it all at the writings on the wall with these people, right? Like they've built themselves a supreme little structure here. And I was watching this video earlier today, and it was like a, a kid's cartoon with puppets about why you'd want to come to the Tavistock Institute and seek therapy. Okay. And like, it was, uh, oh man, I wish I had it still pulled up. It's these Jim Henson-esque puppets. And they're going and they're meeting with therapists in the Tavistock Institute and the Tavistock therapists are talking to these puppets <laughs> and they're telling them. And one of the puppets name is angry and one puppets name is, is happy, you know, and the other one is confused. And so they talk about, well, we can get kids to talk through drawing pictures. So they go through all of these very, you know, Freudian psychiatric methods. Right. And Meanwhile, not cracking a smile once, right? Like, these are some pretty cold people talking to these puppets, trying to reassure them. They didn't give me any comfort whatsoever. But this is like a 40 minute long walk through this place. And it looks just like on the inside from what we're shown, it looks like every other, you know, uh, 1980s, 1990s hospital, very sterile looking, very, you know, it uh, doesn't look as formidable on the inside as it does on the outside. It looks very normal and regular. I mean, They've got puppets and waiting rooms and all of these other things that your average psychiatric, you know, facility has that nowadays. So they, (laughs) they've, they've gone like kind of overboard to put these things into their, into their like action plan. And they're, they're like, this is who we are about page. And, and it's just so strange and so eerie when you look at their facade of who they are putting across that they are. And then you start looking back, right? You start looking back to like, all right, um, there, there's a former intelligence officer uh, with the MI6, and he, he wrote Conspirators Hierarchy, the Committee of 300, and uh, his name is Dr. John Coleman. And he he's explaining that, that Tavistock is not just shaping, you know, pop culture, uh, but but all political, social, educational, and economic opinions, uh, and especially in the United States. And what's interesting is is the Tavistock Institute, of course, is is in the UK, 
All right. And then when you go, well, all right, how are they influencing, you know, the United States if they're in the UK? Well, they have they have the Stanford Research Institute. We are part we are the UK over here. I mean, the, the people don't yeah. realize that it, through the Pilgrim Society, that was the whole purpose of the creation of the Pilgrim Society. I, I want to say in 1912 and 1913, I might be a little off on that 1914, right around the creation of the Federal Reserve. Right. Yep. And uh might have been a little before that, but they they their goal is to keep the United States and the UK tied together. Oh, they've done it. They've nailed it big time. Sure. Big time. And it's it's crazy like when you start looking at okay, well if if that's the the UK branch, right? What is what will we find on grounds here in the United States? So what I found was uh, it's called SRI International or the the Stanford Research Institute. Okay, and and of course, you know all uh, all of your your institutional educational facilities, uh, from technological institutes to just uh, any universities, they're all tied together through those secret societies that have gone you know before us and and laid the groundworks for all of these places. They've built all of these things up, um, and they've integrated you know a certain loose but tight-knit structure that is the corporation right like they've they've got this down to a t how to how to corporatize just about any uh, movement that they want to make happen uh, becomes a corporation becomes an additional think tank so so that's how they roll along it doesn't just like pop up out of nowhere and they're like oh okay well you know we want uh kids they hate their parents and this and that so what do they do they they take a very step-by-step approach um you know much like if most of us were taught to take a step-by-step approach in our lives, we'd be successful, <laughs> but we're not. So, you know, so we're not for the most part, um, but they do, they persist and they do the step-by-step. And if something doesn't go right, they have their contingencies because they've got their think tanks to sit around and put all the man hours and all that effort into pondering possibilities in order to basically annihilate those possibilities, take those off the table. You know, if you can go out and have uh, a big to do, a big um, scenario, you know, breakdown, much like they still do to this day with the WEF and and the WHO and all of their strategic, uh, what do you call it, uh, skirmish, not skirmishes, but their um, what the bickering uh, and like the back and forth. Oh, you know, just like the thing they had with uh, right before this last vid, they had all of the. Uh, scenarios, but they were playing out in their lobby boardroom or whatever. And they're like, yeah, you know, so what if, what if the black people don't want to take the the shot, you know? And like, so they go through the whole process of this is what's going to happen. They find out all of these things are going to happen. So they, they basically give themselves the best opportunity to react when it actually does happen because they have already played through all of these scenarios. You know, and and so while we're all kind of reacting to everything every day, um, if it's you know if it seems like they're a step ahead and always have the right thing or or something to say at least <laughs> at the time something unfolds, it's because this is this has been coming. You know, this has been coming for a good long time. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that when Sigmund Freud was alive, he thought he would be the say all, know all, and end all to to you know psychiatric practice. He knew he was starting something. Right. Uh, he knew he was in the process of building something much like these people that are that are in places now. They are doing the same thing. They are they are building the next thing, much while all of us are reacting to the current thing. So, like, we're already that that many steps behind 
and it's genius the way that it's that it's planned out. Yeah, I would almost disagree with that. I would say that I think that he absolutely knew that he was going to be the the foremost authority on this stuff. Him and Bernays both, you know, Bernays being like the the founder. I think Bernays was the first. Uh, like he he basically created PR public relations. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? With I think United Fruit Company or something. And, and so, yeah, I yeah, think just out guys, of nowhere and like suddenly somehow he he goes. Uh, they basically find find out that this guy's a public relations just guru. You know, um, so he starts getting swooped up by by different, you know, different corporations and, and different entities. Then finding his way to cigarette companies was was a big one that he was lobbying for. Um, and sure. so like um, <laughs> one that I thought was really funny, um, which was uh, in 1929 to promote female smoking by branding cigarettes as feminist torches of freedom. So, I mean, this is all the same type of stuff that we see going on with behaviors being marketed to certain groups of people right now. Um, you know what's so funny too, man, not to cut you off, is that when whenever they say torch, um, that's a Luciferian reference according to the Freemasons themselves. It's so funny. Like the Statue of Liberty, that's supposed to be the Lucifer. torchbearer. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a, a massive um, Freemason publishing house was Torch Publishing Company. You know what I mean? So like they they reference the torch a lot. And like I like I said, I have more on the Lucius Trust too and how this ties in that we can get into, you know, before we wrap up in a little definitely, while. Here, definitely, definitely, dude. Because you know what, the, in the grand scheme of things, that's what I find myself coming back to is you have this, um, you know, and I do always tend to want to call it something else, you know, not gonna lie. And I think most people do. Most people don't want to look at it and recognize it as hey, this is a Luciferian saturnian uh you know progress cult that mm -hmm. we're on that we're all a part of it's not so much you know a lot of people think of it's a death cult or you know it's a sadist cult or any of these things like no it's a progress cult like these people are hell-bent on what they consider as progress mm -hmm. um it doesn't matter if you and i don't think that it's progress right like they're they're still moving forward with these things um and because they feel they're being lit their ways being lit by these torches Right. By this light bearer and and by this this knowledge and this, uh, you know, insight that well, the um, duality that they love to, to talk about, you know, they get ahead by ruining our lives, basically. You know what I mean? Like it's uh, they can live longer by killing more of us. And they, they I think that they do believe in these sun God worshiping things where sacrifice actually keeps the lights on, so to speak, it keeps the sun rising. I kind of think that they actually do follow that religion still, the Tammuz and all these other sun gods. Um, I, I, do I have proof of that? No, but I see some some serious occult references in the UN's own words. And, you know, the UN is a huge part of this. You know, Tavistock's tied in with the United Nations. Oh, definitely. The crown's yeah. tied in with the United Nations. It's um, all it's all linked together, man. And, you know, I had a, a whole uh, big, long sheet of things that I was going to rattle off that are tied together but you know anybody out there listening they're going to understand that this this giant web that's out there you know constricting around us um it's not just any one person or any one group like this is an institution of institutions right like so when you like i thought oh i can neat nice and tidily and neatly dial everything back to like one place and like <laughs> nope you know a month later looking into this and like man, I've gone down so many different secret society rabbit holes. Like there's one called the mental, Oh, what was it? The mental hygiene institution hmm. or, or project. And, 
<laughs> it's it's a eugenics type, you know, understanding of of mental process, really. So, you know, it's not only when people think eugenics, a lot of the time they think just, you know, uh, genocide, mm-hmm. right? Or just cleansing of of like peoples in particular of, of a certain area. But what I found out was when you when you look into you know, Bernays and, and you look into these different characters and you look into some of like their cousins, their sisters will be in this other secret society or secret group called uh, the mental, uh, the mental hygiene. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. yeah the mental wild. hygiene society. And it's, it's weird too, because it's um, mental hygiene project. So, so they, they tout themselves as uh, preventing, mitigating, and training around mental health injuries. So, I mean, it's all framed very nicely, right? If you pulled up this web page at a random, you're just going to go, oh, okay. But here's what's interesting is uh, I'll have to show you this real quick too, because, because of course their logo, the mental hygiene project Mm. is very similar to the Google logo. (laughs) Also similar to, uh, to i think it triangles with the un and then and the also all seeing eye right in the middle there <laughs> mm-hmm, it's a brain looks it's, like it's pineal. all of it dude it's all of it yeah it's you know it's the the 666 incognito you know so i mean you can tell when you're going through all these and then of course you roll down and, and the mental hygiene project has been seen on cnn fn the financial network business solutions international firefighter weekly you know, so they've got this list halfway down the page of all of these little places that you can find this featured mental hygiene project writer and co-founder, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it's just weird. Right? And don't forget New Six, guys. They're getting results over there at New Six. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> anyway, for those that aren't aren't watching the video, go look at the mental hygiene project and see what you guys find out about it. I thought, you know, uh, that you know maybe they're trying to help people clear their minds. But no, I don't think that's the case. I think it's there are, you know, wiping the minds of the masses. Mm. And so it makes sense to me when you talk about brainwashing and you talk about mental hygiene, uh, you know, that's that's sh- them sugarcoating brainwashing and putting it forth as its own corporation. And, and that's what they have. It's a project, you know, run by these people in these institutions. So it's a subset of of uh of like Tavistock and you know it's a branching off think tank um that you feel is, like that's the United States version of Tavistock or the branch of it this is a part of it yeah um the United States version um kind of breaks into the Stanford Research Institute and SRI International which okay. um and, and that's another one I wanted to kind of take you down here a little ra- little rabbit hole here um it breaks down their accomplishments. So you just got to go to the, the website, SRI.com about us, right? Together, we create world-changing solutions that make people safer, healthier, and more productive. Of course, right? That makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, SRI, the birthplace of some of Silicon Valley's most important innovations, says the San Francisco Chronicle. Okay. And what they say about themselves is that they are a 75-year pioneering research institute with a rich history supporting government and industry. So they're not lying. You know what I mean? They come out and they put the shit on the writings on the wall right here. They support government and industry. Perfect. SRI, formerly Stanford Research Institute, is organized around broad disciplines and capabilities from research and development divisions 
and labs to groups who excel at identifying new opportunities and see like they're being purposefully vague here. And I think people, you know, hopefully are learning to understand when these groups speak in a vague nature like this, like you got to ask yourself what broad disciplines, right? And like, it's funny that you're talking about the kind of link between sun worship and Luciferianism. Uh, Would that be this broader discipline that they're speaking of? Personally, I think so. And the capabilities that stem from being part of that group of, you know, international uh, Luciferianists, I think that would bring some substantial capabilities to their table. And uh, that's, that's not all, you know, they, they also do research and development you know, massive labs. I mean, this is very similar to uh, any of our institutions in the United States, NASA included, right? Like they're all branches of a very similar animal here. And Stanford Research Institute is, is another one of those. It's like another JPL, right? Where you go and at a glance, they have 4,600 plus patents, a thousand plus R&D projects per year, $4 billion in research over 10 years and over 50 spinoff companies. So now you're not even going to know what the companies are that they've got their hands in. They've got 50 spinoffs. So, you know, you might nail it down to this SRI group, but guess what? As soon as they come out and put this website up, it's already over. They have it dished out to all these other spinoffs. When you and- say SRI, I keep thinking of SRA, like the satanic ritual abuse. You know what I mean? I know it's not the same thing, but I just keep thinking <laughs> it might of that. Be, man. It might yeah, be. it's just weird. It's satanic ritual abuse, you know? Sure. <laughs> but yeah. uh, so like, and this is, this split happens again and again. So that, that's what made it really hard to tack down like, okay, where, where is this direction? You know, where is this uh, agenda going? Who is pushing it? And it's it's all, you know, strategy, of, of course, to keep you blind to what's really going on, because if you keep chasing all these holes, you're not going to get anywhere. You're going to find the same type of people everywhere doing the same type of thing in different places under different names. And it's and then they have this timeline of innovation. So <clears throat> they team up with companies, organizations, universities, government officials and more. Because we're nonprofit, of course, they're just another NGO, right? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> an NGO nonprofit, and uh, you know, I know you know how 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 dark that can wind up being at some point. Well, yeah, in a time when profit is demonized, all that they need to do is call themselves nonprofit, and then like problem solved. You know, we're not doing this for money. You know what I mean? Like that's well, that's that's even scarier yeah. when you when you really think about it. Like, wait a minute, this company that has all of this. Uh, innovation under their belt. And, and there's like a timeline uh, of innovation here. And it's like the last 200 years. Uh, so just 10, they, of course, NASA Parker solar probe. So they said that their imagers help revolutionize our understanding of the sun. So they're, they're talking about, you know, software analytic people like building these images. So SRI may very well be where NASA sends their data over to to create the images that we all get to see. So that's just one. Uh, Another one is an automatic motorcycle riding humanoid robot. See, they've got all this weird stuff. Here's the kicker though, Siri. Uh, Siri is awfully close to SRI because Apple acquired their spinoff and the iPhone got Siri. So this is the company that created Siri and sold it. That is, that's, that's honestly, that's nuts. And, and have you seen their, have you seen Apple's headquarters? I think I have. It's pretty nuts, dude. Is that the one that, that looks all like sci-fi out? And it's like this. It's a big circle. Yeah. yeah. 
So the same, and this kind of ties into like, like the subliminal messaging and, and how they could be the same thing. Um, the, the British, like sort of the, the CIA equivalent, not MI6, but um, I'll actually see if I can pull up an image of it here. If I have the ability to screen share with you, it's the same damn building that Apple headquarters is. And that's not just a, that's not a run of the mill building. It's a very unique shaped building. And uh and yeah, you have that same damn thing. So I'll, I'll find it here, but sorry to cut you off. That just, no, no worries, that dude. And, it, and that's the crazy thing though. And I'm glad that we're talking about this because, you know, if I'm sitting by myself, honestly, going through all this shit and seeing all these connections at the end of the day, I'm going, well, fuck, who's going to believe all that shit that I just fucking found. You know what I mean? <laughs> who's going to yeah. believe that, that Siri was, was sold into her, or like put into our hands by these same structures, these same control structures that have hand to hand in and manipulating all of culture that we know. And, and I mean, the writings on the wall, they're, they're plenty happy to put out their connections with these things, NASA, uh-huh. Siri, eye recognition, iris recognition. Right. And it's funny that they, they don't call it eye recognition or corneal recognition. It's iris recognition. Yeah. So that's interesting itself. Um, different radar systems. So, I mean, they've had their hands in all kinds of stuff, artificial muscle, uh, and if you know anything about artificial muscle, you know that it's created from carbon nanotubes. So that's interesting in itself. Language speak recognition back in the 90s, telerobotic surgery, um, open architecture software. So when you have people rewriting code for things and building on them, that concept was helped, uh, helped to be brought about back in the 1990s by SRI. So uh, it's, it's all coming from the same place. It's not. It's not aliens dropping technology off of spaceships, uh, little bits and pieces at a time, and then us reverse engineering. It's it's more than that. You know what I mean? It's being put out in the fashion it is because it's being designed in that fashion decades ago. You yes. know, dude. Uh, so it's saying right here that I cannot share. Um, yeah, you just got to go on and say allow multiple participants to share. Yeah, there you um, go. Because, yeah, I think that you'll find this interesting since you like the architecture and the the subliminal stuff in that. So this right here, it's called GCHQ. And this is where um, they spy on <laughs> our conversations yes. and all this stuff. Right. I so this it. is it. Very, very specific. It's the, it's the Google Chrome eye. Right. Like it's very. Sure. Very close. I mean, that's wild, dude. That's the British Intel building. This is GCHQ. Yeah, it's the, it's like the um, they, they spy on conversations. They spy like this is the biggest one. A lot of people think that it's um, the NSA, which is looks like a big black cube. But th- it's this one's bigger. This is the one that you don't hear about as much. You hear about the NSA. You don't hear about GCHQ. But now so I'm going to switch over to Apple. And keep in mind, the first picture that you see on here is not Apple headquarters. It's the same thing. But this is Apple headquarters. Picture two and picture three. Very similar buildings. This is GCHQ, which when you type in Apple headquarters, why is GCHQ the first building that pops up? Your guess is as good as mine. This is <laughs> this is Microsoft Bing, actually, right? So right. it's not like this is some rinky-dink uh, search engine, but right next to it, you have Apple, which is, uh, in my humble opinion, modeled after GCHQ. It's, yeah, it's 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 all the same grouping. Um Man, it, it that's wild. And I wonder I just wonder what's going on there that they need that that shape of that structure. I mean, do they have a collider in there that we don't know about? <laughs> I doubt it, dude. No, I know. <laughs> it would be there, interesting. No, there's power in circles, man. There's power in these these, you know, 
spherical or um, circular shaped, you know, buildings and things. Um, now I can't break out some kind of a meter and show you that, you know, uh, they probably wouldn't let us in to do it in the first place, but, um, but, you know, it is understood through time that shapes have certain powers to them, right? The cube has a certain power to it and so on. Um, and, and so like a lot of it is very esoteric, very like hermetic and very kind of, kind of, uh, man, I, I don't know how to, how to explain it, but it's all really kind of surreal, right? Like for most of us, it's kept just out of the, our perspectives, uh, just enough to where all we can do is like recognize the pattern and go, well, what the heck's going on here? But there are some of us that, that sit around, you know, dwelling over this stuff or digging harder and harder into it. Uh, folks like yourself looking into so many different secret societies and, and finding out at the end of the day that you have this kind of this cohesion at a certain point, like, wait a minute, these, these folks all seem to kind of be doing the same thing in different places. You know, it's like um, what we learned in elementary school, Randy. I mean, I don't know exactly when you went to school. Um, I think you told me it was a little bit before I did, but I'm sure that you learned about like the web charts and then also the Venn diagrams where you got the two circles that make the MasterCard symbol, right? Where they, yeah. they, there's like one side does one thing, the other side does one thing, and there's this common ground, right? So you can, with a combination of like the web charts and also the Venn diagrams, you can make a really good display of how these things work and how it's all like kind of funneling up to something, maybe incorporate, incorporate a pyramid in there somewhere. And you'll figure out potentially who could be at the top of this thing. But I, I do tend to think that it is some otherworldly thing. And I've been really kind of against that lately. I try to, I pride myself in kind of being more logical than a lot of conspiracy podcasts that are out there because you know, the, the foundation foundational episodes of this podcast had a bleeding heart, liberal anti-conspiracy guy as the co-host, my cousin, Brandon. Mm -hmm. um, and I learned a lot from having a conversation with someone like that. You'll never convince these people that don't believe in this stuff. When you talk about lizard people and when you talk about all this crazy shit, you won't convince them because it's just too out of their their, you know, area to think they don't have the capacity to believe in that stuff now. I'm starting to think that that stuff is real, though, because of entities like the Lucius Trust. Um, Tavistock Institute, I think, is told what to do by these ent entities. And um, there's some. Yeah, I, I haven't been able to tack it back far enough to a point where there's still not that unknown of, wait a minute, what's driving this? Mm -hmm. Right. Like like you can always come back to a person, but you only get that name after they're ready to give you that name or you only sure. get that corporation after they're ready to divulge what that corporation's been doing or that it needs to be a face for something else. So like, it's really hard not to look at this all from a very, not just a psychomatic point of view, like a psycho spiritual point of view. Like it, at some point it ties together where these people um, they're not just doing it for their own good. Right. Like there's something more to this. And I found it interesting, like I was saying before about the sun, the sun king kind of pyramid structure, um, the all seeing eye, even, you know, uh, the one, the one that all reports to or, or all are beneath. Right. Um, Dude, it's funny you bring that up, Randy. I was about to pull up a picture of the great seal so that I could actually like kind of describe what I was getting at with that idea that I think that there is some entity that is is separate and off this earth. 
let's say that looking at this, the Tavistock is maybe somewhere right here, maybe even higher up, maybe right here, right? Oh, but, I, I would say further down, but I, I know exactly what you're saying, though. Yeah, it could be anywhere in this. I mean, this think of this as Earth, right? This is where I mean, and, and guess where you and me are. We're down here, buddy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So working your way up here, you can get up to here. And maybe this is like the order of the sun or, you know, the Jason Society would be somewhere down here. But what happens right here? It breaks off. It breaks off. And this thing that's up here is something very significant that you can't just get to by climbing up the sides it breaks this is is this another realm? Se separate from the material that that we know as the rest of the pyramid there it's a separate triangle there at the top it's not connected yeah dude, i didn't realize that you were doing a video episode i would have pulled this up for your for your uh video viewers to look at this is a great chart that i saw when i first started doing the podcast and uh, if it ever pulls up here uh, i've got too many tabs open so it's probably taking a little while but yeah no worries uh, well, yeah, I, I'm going to just probably throw it on my Odyssey, but I'm going to put out when I put the episode out, I'm going to put out that picture of the Tavistock Institute on on the uh, cover so that it so that it's sitting right there looking at everybody in the face. They could see the that it looks has that typical, um, <laughs> you know, Freemasonic architecture, the weird tuning forks, yeah. the 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 way that the two towers resemble loosely, uh, you know, the serpent cowl that the pharaohs used to wear. So there's all kinds of really weird little things going on with that building. And, okay, and well, yeah, so this is that uh, he's just pulled up one of those, one of those graphs with all of the different. Wow. Yeah. All of the different groups, the Jesuits, the Falden society, NASA, so on all within this, this map or this circle, right? Look, so you were right. According to this person, Tavistock is pretty far on the outside and this could be a source for you in the future. But you have, you know, Tavistock being around just a little closer than, than like ABC or some of these propaganda sites, CBS, BBC, Fox, all these things. Right. But as you get closer and closer to the center here, you know, the order of the sun, the Antonis, which is like old Egyptian, uh, you know, worshiper, black, Q, mm -hmm. or, um, black nobility, great white brotherhood, Rosicrucians. Which, right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. And the Rosicrucians uh, are, are a lot of the a lot of the founders of, you know, the more recent things like the Tavistock Institute trace their their founders back and you find out that they were followers of the Rosicrucian order. So, you know, yeah. And then the more, the further into it you go, the less material and the more etherical or, or the more like esoteric and, and spiritual it becomes. And, you know, I don't, I don't know that you necessarily want to use spiritual, but it becomes very esoteric. It becomes very hermetic, right? Like very, very secret uh, doctrine kind of oriented. Um, the mystery schools. Right, right. Yeah. And, and then when you look at all of those and you see how Manly P. Hall's got them all broken down into like several hundred or thousand, I forget how many is in that book, but they all are just like you're saying, they're just one circle in themselves that gently overlaps with several other circles. And they're all gently linked in with each other to create this just beautiful flower of life mesh. <laughs> you know what i, I don't mean know if you call it beautiful but hey it's man it's something yeah it's something it's got order to it and i can appreciate order um you i know. do have a new respect <laughs> a I, I have a new respect for freemasons and stuff when i looked into them there's a great thing that you or your listeners could look up and i did actually a what i think is a great episode it's a two-part episode real recently on it but if you wanted to just read through it yourself it's a pdf go to DuckDuckGo and search uh satan the freemason pdf and you'll pull up a great, great uh, little short PDF. It's maybe 10, 20 pages 
on their symbolism. And this is where I found out like the yin yang is like the most ancient witchcraft symbol that is really known to man. The pentagram is is up there as well. And um, yeah, man, it's uh, there's yeah, I'm so going to dig stuff. into that, man, for sure. Dude, I've, I've got it pulling very, up right now, buddy. It's on the, fun. The Masonic yeah, travel dot com or what's up? I might have to get the link from you. I'm just seeing if I found it. Oh, yeah, it's uh, it'll start off with uh, I think it's got a picture of like the two headed eagle, which is actually the phoenix. And then it gets into the idea that the phoenix was the original state and or the uh, national bird. And then they changed it to an eagle because ah, the phoenix it. is fake. Yeah, yeah the so. worship of Lucifer, Satan, part one of five. And then it has the two-headed eagle on the front. Nice. That's it. So dude, I'm going to dig into that. Parts. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's a blast, dude. But um, I feel like we, we'd be leaving your your listeners on too much of an edge if I didn't just wrap up the Lucifer, uh, the uh, Lucius Trust stuff real quick. Yeah, for sure. Um, the So, you know, I, I forget exactly where we left off, but basically the Lucius Trust started out as the Lucifer Trust. And you can go to their website, just type in Lucius Trust, L-U-C-I-S, Lucas, Lucius, uh, Lucy's, whatever you want to call it, Trust, and then um, go to their website and you can see that they address this on their site. And they say, you know, the, the Lucius Trust was never called the Lucifer Trust. Allison Foster Bailey started a publishing company called the Lucifer Trust, but then made an entirely different company called the Lucas Trust later. So they <laughs> say they say that it happened. But then they deny it. It's that duality again. It's the double speak. Yeah, they got to give you the answers on both sides. It's just kind of yeah. how it how it all goes, right? <laughs> and they started off by by publishing works of like uh, Madame Blavatsky, and then Alice Bailey uh, saw this this prophet come to her. His name was Kuthumi, and then uh, later she saw uh, this guy that became known as the Tibetan, and they communicated, you know, through their their minds uh, telepathically or whatever. And um, she wrote nineteen books with this guy telling her what to write. Right. So kind of like the story of Mormonism, how that comes to be. And um, so they, they go from publishing her own work and Madame Blavatsky's work to publishing and dispersing United Nations work. So they go from doing theosophy and all this crazy, you know, one world religion stuff to now doing the, 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 the bidding of the United Nations who wants to create a one world religion. So if you don't think that this is it, that this is something very concerning, I would say, you know, look into it yourself. If you think I'm blowing smoke, any of your listeners, check it out yourself, because that's what I'm here to do. That's what you're here to do. We can't convince you of anything. We can point you in the right direction or point you in the direction that we find and argue me, you know, ar- debate me. Yeah, definitely. That that's wrong. that's what it's all about. It's you know, it's it's about um we're never I don't think I'm ever going to find all of the connections because there are so many. Um, but I'm beginning to start to understand what the, I don't know if you want to call it force or separate entity or whatever, but there's a driving factor to all of this, which, which brings me back to the same place. Fortunate, fortunately for me, it brings me back to a place of understanding that this place here where we all are is a learning experience. Okay. And it's unfortunate that certain groups have an, a leg up because they have uh, maintained certain knowledge over millennia and, you know, have empowered themselves by feeling good about that <laughs> or whatever it is they do, right, um, to influence the direction of humanity's learning, um, therefore making them feel like gods. And maybe they are, you know, uh, right underneath some kind of a god in their, their mind's eye or whatever. Uh, which is fine, you know, more power to them. I got respect for the 
ability that they have had to facilitate all of these institutions, all of these groupings of different people and personalities can be a hard thing to mesh together. You know what I mean? We're also individually different for them to have gone all around the world and cemented little groupings of people here and there, and then weaved all of those together into this giant machine that we're all a part of for better or worse. Now it's just uh, it's tenacious as it gets really like it it really is tenacious. I'm not saying that it's not evil. It's there's a lot of evil shit going on. Um, But like this takes hella tenacity in order to continue doing this, especially if you're not going to ever see the fruits of your own work, right? Like most Mm -hmm. of us, um, we can't deal with that concept of putting forth an effort your entire life to not see it, you know, come to fruition. But these people on the other hand are all about that action. They're all, they're all about that legacy and leaving that and continuing it. Um, And, you know, to a certain point, it almost doesn't seem to matter that they, inbreed and damage each other mentally because they have this system integrated so well that they can, they can afford to mistreat each other and abuse the world and everything else. And the system still keeps operating, you know, because it's, it's been painstakingly built. And I I think that if we are ever going to find our way out of this system, if that's going to be a thing, it has to be done as painstakingly as they implemented. And you know, that's the unfortunate truth, right? Like, um, but it, but it starts with each, each one of us, like assessing what all of this information can mean to us. And then, you know, not allowing these, these uh, entities to separate us from each other even further. Like, I I think that's really the goal is, uh, you know, just stay with you, with your loved ones, uh, love others. You know what I mean? Um, When you look at something and you see a reason to be hateful or spiteful, you know, find better in that moment. Um, don't let the system get you, <laughs> right? Like all you can really do is stand apart, uh, you know, in, in your own, you know what I mean? In your own uh, kind of way um, and uh, and just love others out there. And it's it's kind of a woo-woo place to go back to all of it. But but really, I think that the one thing that, that the Luciferian kind of agenda is missing is is a heartfelt sense of love. I think that there's, definitely motivation there's definitely tenacity there's definitely you know uh knowledge there, yeah there's knowledge there's all these other things but there's not a lot of compassion <laughs> there's not a lot of love and uh you know there's a hell of a lot of understanding in the manipulation of knowledge to create further understanding so we just got to watch out for that it's hard <laughs> yeah man i mean uh you know to to you know give my last words here i would say you know uh I think that the motivation behind them and the, the entity pushing these people is, is this this fifth and final Buddha that they refer to as Maitreya. They call him the cosmic Christ. Um, they call him the coming one. They on uh, June 14th of this year, they on um, yeah, the 14th, they had on the Lucius Trust website, and you can actually watch this video if you want to tool around on that website. I recommend it to anyone that is interested in this stuff. Um, they had a world invocation day prayer. Oh, yeah, I saw that weird stuff, dude. (laughs) So they told you who the coming they didn't say who the coming one was, but I did a little bit of digging with a buddy of mine, Shannon, who will be starting a podcast soon. That's going to be phenomenal. And um, we we found that we think it's Maitreya. And this is the fifth and final Buddha ties in with the fifth and final son. Um, So, yeah, man, it's uh, it's a 
there's a rabbit hole everywhere that you look here these days, and it's fun to try and tie them all together. And I get a rush out of it. Uh, I get scared sometimes when I'm researching a topic and my heart starts racing. I know that I found something cool. Um, so I wouldn't rather be doing anything else other than this, man. And talking with people like you is always such a blast, man. So thanks right on, so much. Dude. Hey, I appreciate on. you coming on, man, and, and bringing your two cents on on the secret societies of the world and things like that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I dig it, man. It's it's one of those things you start getting into these subjects and you start, you know, digging into these rabbit holes. It's very easy to get bogged into your own thoughts on the subject and your own direction and kind of lose track of everything else. So I dig that you came on and were able to uh, work through this subject a little bit with me. Um, there's so much more to the whole, you know, mind control thing. Oh, and, yeah. uh, and, you know, but there are people waking up to it every day and, and there are people out there that they will need to have their next little piece of information that'll keep them sane as they try to figure their way through all of this madness, you know, cause like once you, once you are awake to the manipulation going on, um, you can only sit and do nothing for so long before you start feeling stagnant and, and you maybe become, you know, a bedridden alcoholic or something again, right? Like, <laughs> like this, this is like a, a one of those cycle. two things, dude, I'm one uh, of those two things, dude, I I've, you know, I've been in some dark places in my life and, and a lot of it came from, uh, you know, the fear of, of learning, right. The fear of knowing what was next. Like now that, now that I know that mind control is real and I've gotten over the fear of it, now I'm able to sit and have a conversation about what it is that's really going on behind the scenes and not take it all so personally, yeah. right? Like, cause I've gotten over that fear of, of, Oh, you know, I'm going to get off my podcast and uh, the man's going to knock at my door and, and swoop on me and the kid, just like in uh, V for vendetta or something. Right. Like mm -hmm. we all have this underlying trauma from all of these movies and all of these things we've seen growing up that are like, Nope, don't speak out about that. <laughs> you know, don't do that. So you know, at some point, uh, you know, I'm glad for people out there when they reach a point that they can step out of that fear. And it's not easy to stay outside of that fear. You know, um, a lot of us uh, make it seem super easy hopping on every week. You know what I mean? And 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 getting down to the nitty gritty and putting this stuff out there. And um, hopefully we can bring, uh, you know, some some light to the hearts of others that are seeing these things, you know, that it's not all despair and disarray you can understand what these people have projected as their future, but it doesn't have to be your future, right? Like it doesn't have to be your personal future. If you cut off your intention to all these mad, you know, psychic vampires and kind of focus it on, on your own growth, you'll be okay. And you know, it sucks. The world's rough, blah, 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 but you'll be all right. Turn off the CNN, right? Turn off the channel six news, <laughs> turn off all that crap coming through the boob tube. And, uh, you know, all that, <laughs> all those radio waves and all that other crap coming at you. Uh, and I'll tell you something I noticed if I sit and watch TV one night, I'll feel like crap, like the rest of that next day, you know, and, and it's the TV on all day here, man, that could have something to do with a lot of shit. Sorry, dude. I have something <laughs> in my damn eye. I'm not rolling my good. eyes at you. I'm like trying to, I, I wear contacts, dude. <laughs> it's all good, dude. In my eye. No, but Hey, I appreciate you getting with me, man. Um, I'm looking forward to digging more into that. I'm going to take a look at that PDF that might have to be its own. Uh, its own kind of thing because that looks pretty epic dude i'm looking dude, forward to it i printed it out randy and i i printed it out I, I highlighted things i made notes on on it and um you know i've been ever since then i've been going the podcast has really pivoted my show has has pivoted to a new sort of a thing and i'm trying to look more at what inspires 
the societies like the Freemasons, right? I used to be real heavy in the geopolitics and yeah, secret societies. That's but interesting. Trying, yeah, yeah, I never man. thought I'd see you do that pivot, man. Congratulations. But Thanks, you, you get you get to a point like you're saying in that pyramid, though, you, you get to that that base of the top of the pyramid there and you're looking at this gap and there's something going on up there with that all seeing eye. You're like, wait a minute. How is that up there influencing this down here? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and I, I'm with you on that. I have a lot of those kind of questions uh, more lately than than, you know, over the last year, probably in the last couple of months. Really, it's kind of ramped up. So it's interesting that you say that, too. I've been leaning more towards. What is what is the driving factor, right? Like the inspiration, like you're saying. Um, and uh, you know, I keep trying to go down a road like you started down and hitting it to brass tacks, but I keep finding my perspective being shifted up, right? Or beyond us, beyond me. Yeah. Very similar to what you're going through. So it's it's kind of interesting when you sit down to chew out, chew on a piece of conspiracy. And like I try so hard sometimes to not go into that spiritual aspect. You know, I just want, I just want what's black and white in front of me, but none of it's that nice and tidy, (laughs) you know, and come to find out through all of these crazy different aspects of society, it's all coming from somewhere. And Hey man, hopefully, hopefully by the time we're, we're done with this life or our children's life, or at some point where we can look back in the Akashic record and say, Hey, I helped cement that understanding. I think that that's, you know, a goal I think worth, worth fighting for. Yeah, man. You know, I, my, my, I mean, I think a good show evolves. I think it changes and, and the host will change if you go long enough or, you know, find find whatever you're going to evolve the show. And um, I think that that PDF will kind of inspire some thought. If you're a thinking individual, which I know you are, that will send you down all kinds of other rabbit holes to look into yourself. Um, so awesome. I think that you'll enjoy it. Let me know what you think. DM me or whatever, dude. And uh, for sure. Yeah, man. Sounds good, brother. Uh, that's it's a it's a fun chat as always here. Absolutely. appreciate you coming on Red Thread Podcast. Thanks. Have a good day. All right. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Red Thread Podcast. I've been your host, uh, the Royal We, Randy. I just want to thank you all for tuning back in and uh, just apologize for taking quite so long to get these episodes out to you guys. Um, Been a lot of really heavy stuff going on in life, you know, so I apologize for that delay there. But we're back in the game. We're rolling right back along. And this is going to be probably one of the the harder hitting subjects here. Mind control. You're going to see a recurring kind of theme in this world that we live in. Uh, that we are indeed being manipulated by a group of people uh, who have their own agenda. All right, that's a pretty common understanding and pretty common knowledge uh, in the conspiracy truther community. Right, um, and uh, you know, through this podcast, a lot of my journey is figuring out what does this mean to me. Hopefully, you can find some of the information that's presented here and use it to empower yourself to continue to move forward through this muck and mire that we call our daily life. So, um, you know, I hope that it, uh, that some of you out there find this information valuable and are able to, you know, then convey this to some of your loved ones and things like this. Um, you know, it seems to me that, that the more of us are able to understand what's going on around us uh, and 
change our reactions and the way that we respond to these manipulations, um, then, you know, eventually at some point in the future, the manipulation will lose a bit of its edge, right? So, well, that's the idea. And um, I want to thank you all for, for joining once again. And uh, go ahead and go take a look at Dangerous World uh, on any pod carrier. Um, and uh, I'm telling you, man, Ryan's got some in-depth stuff on these control systems. That's why I thought it crucial to have him on for this one. So go take a look over at Dangerous World. Uh, go take a look at past episodes of Red Thread Podcast, uh, wherever podcasts are available. And uh, once again, I just want to thank you all so much for tuning in and for making this journey of mine possible. Have a wonderful day.